Welcome to the intersection of theater and even more theater. You have achieved stage grok. Stage Grok, the roaming theater podcast coming to you from the geographic center of the American theater. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Today I'm talking with Danny Gingis and Philip Foxman, the writers of the new rock musical Atomic, on the phone from Australia. All right, well, thank you so much for talking to me, guys. Um, I've been having a blast working on Atomic, and uh, I'm really anxious to ask you some questions about it. So the first thing I want to ask is... Um, why this story? Who wanted to do it? And why did you think this could make a musical? <laughs> uh, that's, a long, that's a long answer. Um, I started doing I started doing it on Danny. I started doing it probably out of, um, out of fear, you know, and, and anger, fear and anger. Um, it, I had a kind of childhood fear of uh, nuclear war. Um, uh, my um, my uh, parents had a book that had a chapter on how to survive a nuclear bomb, and I read it one day, and it picked me out completely, and probably stayed with me. Wow. And uh, as an adult, I was kind of interested in science, and I came across the story of the Manhattan Project, and um, read about the Ozilard, and I was and then I became angry that I'd never heard of it. So that that's where it started. Well, and that that was our big surprise, was the, the hero of our story is somebody none of us had ever heard of. Yeah, well, I, I originally wrote as a screenplay, and I went to L.A. very nicely after writing for a year and uh, tried to sell it there, and um, I didn't get very far, but, you know, I, I, uh, I, was, I was shocked, and, you know, because all the people I was see, everybody I spoke to about the story, and I spoke to, you know, a number of um, producers and agents um, at Pitch Festival. Um, no, nobody heard, heard of him. And I thought, well, in Australia, I can be forgiven, but in America, he's, he's American. <laughs> <laughs> he's a footnote. He was a footnote in yeah. a story, which was, which was tragic, because as you can tell from the story we're telling, he was a major influence in putting this whole project together. So it makes well, sense that someone it, finally did something about him. Yeah, it seems to me like if Oppenheimer or you know somebody we knew was at the center of it, it would be more of a story of what happened. And you guys, it seems to me, are telling more of a story about how everybody grappled with what happened. Would you yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, the narrative device, which, which kind of um, has evolved, but, but now it's kind of the, um, the scene at the end where you know you had all all these scientists looking back on on um, their roles, on their, on their roles, you know, and you know could they have done it differently? Or um, 
Does it, you know, weigh very heavily on them for, for their whole lives? And it doesn't change the world. It seems to, it seems to me like putting... Everyone's going to be considering their roles in it, in the aftermath of it, you know, and I think it's much more of a human story as it is right now rather than just taking it from Oppenheimer's point of view and just barging through, giving everybody a, you know, a PowerPoint, you know, story about <laughs> Much better this way because you get more into the human element and everybody's roles and how they feel later. It's, to me, it's much more interesting as a show like that. Well, for, for what it did for me, it, it it parallels one of my other favorite shows, 1776, in that it gives us this history that we know something about, but makes it really, really human and, and kind of makes the achievement even more amazing that all these flawed people <laughs> were able to achieve all this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, the, the moral of it now is that all of, you know, you had very, you know, very disparate people. You had scientists from Europe. You had scientists from America. You had army people and government people, and they, they were all needed to to kind of make this happen. And they all kind of managed to work together. I think, I think, you know, this kind of me, you know, that um, you know, with all the problems in, in the world today, and we're all fighting each other. You know, I think, I think there's a moral there that you know, you can all work together and achieve something. Hopefully, something more. Um, useful than an atomic bomb, but <laughs> yeah. America so, so America works best when everybody works together. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so the characters we're all playing are all real people, and it's been kind of fun finding out about the real people. Um, it seems like some of the characters you may have composited. You know, more than one character. Is that true? We, we we lost a lot of characters and, and probably yeah. there was another character in the original in uh was that Wigner who who was also Hungarian who we lost and he he he, he may be a composite with Teller. Although Teller is you know, we 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 tried to kind of stay true to Teller's character in this uh this draft. So um I guess the general is represents the army in general rather than Right. That one character. What what we did that in the original? We did that in the New York version. It was a lot of composite characters and stuff, you know. Well, Teller was more a composite. And yeah, Fermi yeah. really wasn't. We really created a, a joke out of Fermi. Now we've gone back to the real Fermi, right? Now. Yeah. In, in this draft, I, I went back and look, looked at biographies and looked at looked more of the more of the. Yeah, so Fermi has changed a lot in this draft. You know, in in the yeah, like in the New York draft, he was a um, he was a bit of a clown and a womanizer, right. chasing opportunities. And, and and we got we got some laughs, but I think they were expensive laughs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and, and now you know, I, I, I looked at what his real motivation for, and he was he was really a pure scientist, and I think we've got to be true to that now. So, uh, was the show first produced in Australia? Yeah, uh, yeah, but when it was first in the show, was in November, no, 2013, and then we did it in New York 2014. Yeah, so there was a showcase, it was a two week showcase in Sydney, um, and it, yeah, it was very well received. And then, uh, and then somebody decided to pick it up and put it off Broadway. Yeah. So, what was that? What did you say? 
And, uh, and then it uh, moved uh, off Broadway. Yeah, we, we well, we were working with um, like even in the Sydney show, we were working with an American director and an, an American writer, and um, and then we had a, a producer, a, a board producer out to do the Sydney show, and he liked a lot, and um, I wanted to be part of it. So um, yeah, then uh, we, we were doing putting it to Melbourne, but that didn't pan out, and yeah, we went. Uh, to off-Broadway. very scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then after Off-Broadway, there's been one other production before we're doing it, right? Yeah, so, that, so yeah, we, we were in Michigan uh, in February. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, we, we were done that because it goes, I, re- I rewrote the script, or we, re- we wrote the script last year, but, you know, apart from, did a couple of um, readings with it, but it, we, we, we never really had it in front of us an audience. So right. we went to Michigan for rehearsals and um so we were working quite closely and, and reaching it and um yeah and seeing it for the first time in front of an audience and yeah that was very well received. So, yeah. so talk a little bit about how the show has changed from that first production to where it is now. Oh okay. Um well when I first wrote before before I mean, before the Sydney production, we, you know, I, I wrote it myself without, without uh, I was just a really good filler. Um, and there were way too many scenes, way too many characters. <laughs> but, it, you know, I, you know it, it, I, my, my background is advertising. It's not, uh, it's not um, writing for stage and it's certainly not writing for musicals. So I had a lot to learn and the whole process has been a big very steep learning curve and still on. Uh, I think I'm getting there. But actually, we went back to some of the early stuff. Yeah, that's, that's right. The current one. So, so, we, so then we got a, a an American writer on board. But he, um, yeah, he, he, trimmed a, uh, he, he trimmed a lot of the, the scenes and the characters and um, and all that. But um, actually, when we, when we had the show in Sydney and also in New York, and people who'd seen the original workshop, uh, the workshop reading, said, oh, you know, I missed that some more, you know, there was, I think the original, original one was much more true to history, and, and we lost some of that in the, um, in the city in New York, so, and, you know, this current draft has gone back to that. So, it, it sounds like I'll, you I'll feel... better about it. It, it sounds like you feel like you got a little off track when you were going to New York. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what do you think is the cause of that? Look, a, a, a lot of it, I mean, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of the team was American. And what I did, like when we were working here, we did most of the development in, in Sydney. And what, what I would get was, um, I would say, well, you know, somebody would suggest something. I would say, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. And they, and, the response I get is, yeah, but this is this is musicals. You know, we, we understand it. You don't really understand it. And um, oh. into an American audience, and we get that, and you don't. <laughs> yeah. But, but Personally, so I think you know. I know what Danny's saying, but I think from my that the reason why I got so little is I think we went too fast into doing a production without spending more time doing workshops. We would have seen a lot more things, from my point of view, that we could have cleaned up 
And I think we went off track because we, we rushed into doing a New York uh, off Broadway show. And we, and, uh, and, you know, we, and then by stepping away from it afterwards, we were able to look back, Danny and I were able to look back at the earlier scripts with one or two of the uh, creatives that were involved in the show with us. And they said, look, this, this, these songs were beautiful songs, or this thing was a great thing. So we're able to get back on track by spending a year just going back to some of the earlier stuff and, and then saying, look, let's be more true to the story we wanted to tell, which is a story that you have. Yeah. Well, and, and I got to read the off-Broadway script because uh, yeah. I, I talked to you guys pretty early about it, and I really did like that script. I, th- I thought yeah. it worked, but I also think yeah. this is a lot better. Right. Yeah. No. The the the, the, the um the New York script certainly was. You know, we the people came came back to see that show, you know, six six times. You know, several people like that, and you know, people were, were crying, and you know, we we got standing ovations. I mean, it was uh, there's what it was was a show that worked, uh, but you know, there were there were elements to it that um. And annoyed me. <laughs> uh, not not huge, not huge elements, but you know, like I, I thought in the end of the day, I, I thought no, I just um, it, 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 came, it came to the point where um, you know it was, it was pretty clear that we needed to do a rewrite. People were saying I, I needed to get a, a named writer to do an extra rewrite, and um, I, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, and a friend uh, who is a writer in New York, uh, who, you know, as I spoke to about it, he said, look, nobody knows this story like you. The right. only person who's qualified to write it is you. Right. He, he, he's a very good writer, and he said, uh, but I'm not writing it for you. I can guide you. I can, I can help you. I can sit down with you and tell you what, what's wrong with the current draft. But you have to do it. I'm not doing it for you. You have to do it. And... Uh, that was, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I have to say, as somebody who's out in the middle of the country who only goes to New York once in a while, I do feel like there are a lot of people working in commercial theater in New York who know how conventional musicals work, but when they get an unconventional one, they try really hard to make it conventional. <laughs> that, that's, that's very much the and, and look, I'm, I'm never really set out to write... A, a, a musical. I, I set out to tell a story, right. and it just came through the process. But it kind of felt that music was was a good way of telling it. And um, no, I have no background in musical theatre. And um, luckily, I, t- I came across Philip, and he's um, he's very talented, and his nothing was made it worse. But it was um, it was the story guiding itself. Really, it wasn't it wasn't us trying to fit a story into a musical right. um, whole. The whole process is very organic. I think what what was kind of coming up a lot uh, originally was how to make the love story work. You know, because we found a couple of times people were going, well, the love story isn't quite gelling here. That was one of the areas that we really spent a lot of time trying to get that connection, but not in a cheesy way, because these, these people are highly intelligent, you know. Doctor and a physicist. They're not going to be running around, you know, tap dancing and under the under the rainbow, you know. Well, and they have a pretty difficult relationship. 
yeah. And yeah. we wanted to show that. And I think the payoff at the end is, is beautiful when he finally yeah. gives her something that, that she's always wanted, but she didn't even expect it. You know, it's a beautiful payoff rather than, you know, and, and I think that was one of the things we grappled with. And also for the New York show, you know, there was, as Danny was saying, there were a lot of people putting their two cents worth in, saying that we pretty much knew, no one really knew who Leo was, so we had to make it Oppenheimer rating the show so people were. But then it became that Oppenheimer's experience more than the story we really wanted to tell, you know? Right. So I think that's what was the problem with the, the shows. And especially for us, it was like, well, Oppenheimer gets a big song right at the top and he gets these other big songs and it, and it sort of diluted Leo. We, we wanted to get behind Leo and, and, and really tell his story. And I think that's what current script is doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, so I want to ask a little bit about how you guys work. Uh, both of you uh, worked on the lyrics. Did, did you work together or did you write separate songs? Uh, we worked we work together. I mean, I'll, 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 originally, I wrote the whole thing myself, including um, some, some lyrics that's still in the show. Okay. I, I, I didn't know if I, if I was capable of writing it, so I just sat down, wrote a script where, where I thought there was unsubmitted lyric, I'd just write some lyrics, <laughs> thinking that could be a brief to, to somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing. And eventually, like I showed it to an actor, and um, we said, "Oh, yes," and he he, he organised the reading, and uh, they all, you know, all these people at the reading were you know, in, in musical theatre, and they said, "Oh, yes, it's pretty good." So that encouraged me, and I went out and uh, you know, looked for a, a um, composer, and eventually found Philip, and uh, and then you know, I, I had lyrics, I, I gave him the songs, and you know, the songs changed, and Philip would. would uh, I mean, I would write a new song and, you know, Philip might finish that lyric or, or you know. Um, sometimes you, as, a, as a composer, as a songwriter, you know, sometimes, you, you know, the, the lyrics that you've given don't quite match the melodic structure that you're creating. Right. So you have to change. And sometimes I change it a little. Sometimes I'll write a whole like, song like something like, you know, Stars and Stripes, you know, that had to be a certain type of show, song. And because right. I come from a real rock background, that was something that I was able to sort of get off the ground and Danny was able to finish off later, you know. So there was a lot, I mean, the majority of the lyrics of Danny, and my, I, would, I would sort of pipe in when if, I, if I got, an idea came as a result of the song that I could add to or something didn't fit, you know. But right. That's pretty much how we would work. I mean... We had a pretty, pretty hardcore, you know, regime of working together for the last three years. We'd be together from 10 o'clock to like 5 o'clock every day, you know, right. in my apartment, banging away, and Danny would finish a scene. I'd be writing a song, and then he'd sit in the room, and I would listen to this, and then we'd go to a workshop. So, you know, it was, we, we sat down and said, oh, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. And then we're, we're both in a position in our lives where we could actually spend the next three years just doing it. And we just stayed very pure to the process and kept it just song and scene and workshop until we got it right. Well, one of the things that I love about the show, and I've been writing about this in my blog, is that it seems to me 
that rock and roll is such the perfect language for this story because all these people are so passionate and so intense and the story is so intense. Um, did you guys ever think about, is that right? Or was that just the obvious language that you wanted to write in? Well, when Danny came to me and told me about it, I said, look, you know, I, I don't come from a Julia musical theater background. You know, I'm a songwriter who came from playing in bands and loving musicals, but really both playing in rock and roll bands. Right. And um, I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, there's a couple of choices here. You could go to the real musical theater or you could kind of put a rock, a rock edge to it. And I felt that, Oh man, we're talking about the atom bomb. We're talking right. about saving the fucking world or not, you know. So right. We, we, we can't be doing that, you know. We, let's just let's kind of have have guitars coming through this. Let's have a drummer banging away here, you know. Right. Let's get let, let's get 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 the temperature really up on this show, and let's get this as a rock musical, and it kind of feels right the way it is, you know. Because it yeah. needs a mess, and it needs the guitar parts, and it needs drama banging all through things. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. So the, the, the director we had, um, yeah, there, was, there was still, still friends with us, <laughs> but uh, we had a New York director who directed the Sydney show in the New York show, and he really drove the um, the, um, the rock um, aspect of it uh, as well. I mean, he was, he was very keen on that. And... Um, I remember we wrote, a, we wrote a kind of a bluesy song and he got really angry and said, no, it's not blues, it's rock. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we fused in with, with this, you know, the score's got some really nice moments in it that I feel we have brought a little a musical theatre sort of uh, sound to some of the songs that work, you know. And I oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. We haven't gone completely, you know, on Josie on this one, but um, no, but it, do, it does have that 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 muscle, that wildness yeah. of rock and roll, which I think it really fits. I think yeah. so too, and and and, and I was saying a lot of the time, it's it's, it's a musical that really appeals to a male audience, too, which is really good, you know. And I yeah. think that's a real right. quality for this. Show. Well, and the other the other thing, which is very musical theater, you have a lot of songs that move from singing into speaking with underscoring, back into singing, back into speaking with underscoring, um, which gives the show real forward momentum, which is cool. But it's but it's fairly complex stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, well, no, nothing happened quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of, um, yeah, but we, uh, we, went, we went to, we've been through a lot of scripts and a lot, a lot of songs. Like every, every song we've probably got, Fifteen songs that, that are in a rubbish bin. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not, just going to ask how many songs total do you think you have discarded? Uh, yeah, I, I hate to even. I would say over a hundred. <laughs> wow. I would say over a hundred. I mean, we would write and write and write, and, and at the beginning we were just trying different ideas and different songs, and then we had so many early characters. I mean, we could put out three or four. Their albums and songs, and they may not be great, but we brought it back to the ones that we felt were, were strong enough. And the ones where there's a lot of the dialogue in the scene and, and song, I mean, you know, those, those, those particular scenes for us sort of work like that. And there's a, there is a lot of underscore, and we felt that the underscore helps keep the pitch of the show going. It just keeps yeah. moving right along, you know? Yeah, keep the tension you know? up. You know, I mean, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I feel pretty strongly about the songs, and I think I think it, it the songs stand alone too. You know, on CD, I think you've probably heard. You can listen to everything by itself, and they just stand alone songs. And that's what I really love about the show. Everything stands alone. All right, well, so before we go, I want to ask you a question that I never get to ask anybody because I'm never talking to anybody in Australia. But tell me about the the health of the musical theater in Australia. Um, it's, it's going through a um, renaissance at the moment. There, there's, a, a, there's a number of... Like, it used to be that it would only get shows, you know, big shows from America that had been on Broadway because, right. you know, that would... The theatres in Sydney mostly are, you know, thousand seat, two thousand seat theatres, and you need right. to fill them up to, to make any money. And right. you know, the only to fill them up are, are big shows. Now there's there's some some little little theatres that are that, that only put on musical theatre. So nice. Probologic. Sort of. And 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 they put they put on um, small shows. They put on dogs by. You know they do. Yeah, bloody bloody Jackson. Nice. Um, yeah, um, yeah. We actually one of the one of the um, the producer and director of um, of Logic was in our first production as um, as an actor, and um, and he's great. It's, you know, there's a lot of passionate people, probably like yourself. It's not, it's not about the money; it's about getting you know great work in front of a whole audience and right. Yeah, they're very supportive. Sydney, Melbourne was always a lot more supportive of the arts, but the few theatres that are coming up in Sydney right now are extremely supportive of, you know, any well-known shows. Right. It'll be great to see it happening. Yeah, and there's a lot of, you know, great you know, acting talent. Who, uh, there's a lot of great actors here, yeah. you know, and great musicians. So, you know, we're really looking forward to coming out there to see you guys and see the show. Yeah, we're so glad you'll be able to come see us. Do, yeah, do you yeah. do you feel like you're done? That Atomic is done now? I, I you know I, I did. Um, I, no, I, I, as far as writing goes, yeah, I think yeah. I think so. I was, um, you know, the final performance in in Michigan. I, I've never seen an audience react like that. They they exploded. <laughs> they exploded. You know, for the final, and, and you know, I was um, I was overwhelmed. I was, I was crying myself. <laughs> yeah, here's an interesting story, Scott. Uh, we were in the previews. I was sitting there watching the previews, and there was an elderly elderly couple in front of us because it was it was it was you know it was a uh, uh, the theatre actually catered to a, an older audience, you know. Okay. And uh, the guy in front of me, he was getting a little agitated through the show. So <laughs> at intermission, you know, uh, at you know a break, uh, he stands up and he's looking a little pissed off. I go, how you doing? You're enjoying the show. And he goes, do you have anything to do with the show? And I go, well, actually, I'm the composer. Oh. I tell you, I'm, I think I know where this show is going, and I don't know if I'm going to be really happy about it. And I go, well, why are you saying that? He said, well, I was one of those guys on my way to Japan to take care of them. I'm American to Japan. I'm <gasps> on my way over to Japan. Oh, my God. What we were about to do there. And he was getting really upset. I said, listen the whole show, let's talk at the end of the show. So at the end of the show finishes, we do a big Q&A, he sat through the whole thing. I'm expecting him to come at me afterwards. He comes up to us, he shook my hand and said, I really enjoyed that. You told a really true story here. 
I really nice. appreciate what you guys have done. You know? That's wonderful. That was yeah. a veteran. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we had a lot of veterans in Michigan, yeah. and, uh, and they were all very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me. This is this has really been interesting, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Scott Miller. Now you too have achieved stage rock. See you next time. Thank you.